Welcome. <laughs> God damn it. I suck at intros, BTW. Welcome to the episode three of the Let's Talk Bling podcast with Gus Villa from Gus Villa Jewelry. God, why did I sound so formal on that one? That was that was horrendous. That man. was good. That was impressive. Uh, so uh, I, you know, I start off the same podcast saying the same crap every single time. So today we're gonna switch it up, man. I usually like to thank people for tuning in, but like honestly, to be fair. You know, you're tuning in because you want to spend your time with us. And 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 today it's an hour treat of what I think is going to be quite the interesting podcast. Why, Gus? Well, my brand is a very Miami brand, right? I'm, I'm right here in the 305. I employ people from the 305. I wear and I make Miami Cuban link chains. And I got one of a ve- I got a very, very, very cool treat for you guys today. I got a, a Miami guy. Right. Uh, and he, and he's something, you know, it's funny because this podcast is technically a jewelry podcast. And yet I've not had one jewelry person this whole time. You don't say. <laughs> I haven't had one person who's actually a jeweler. So today I got my boy Manny. He is a comedian. He does. Uh, you, you could look him up on Instagram. We'll, we'll tag his IG handle on here. And he's a uh, uh, dangerously hilariously funny dude but in a very very 305 way so without further ado my boy manny is here in the building thank you gus oh, oh you gave me the right one I nice guess, I, was, dude, <laughs> I thought i was gonna press the wrong one it's good to be here jesus Thanks christ for having manny. Me, manny, introduce yourself tell the people who the hell you are i am a big cuban link aficionado officially dude. as of today dude you're not i'm all blinged out and i feel i feel like this is who i should have been years ago i mean this is me this feels so natural to be wearing 10 pounds of gold <laughs> at all times on camera all right so let, let's tell a little bit little little backstory manny came in here and uh i don't know him very much we've known each other for about roughly 20 30 minutes total and he came up with the brilliant idea that if you're going to do the podcast you're going to wear the most gaudy pieces that we have so this is and the when look. you bring it into the studio you bring it in on rolled by with a napkin <laughs> so that it's not obvious that you're carrying jewelry up and down <laughs> that's how we do it in the 305 man that's hell yeah so manny i um i like to start every podcast because you know i i try to look you up i try to do some research on you because you know you don't want to go in there blind as hell uh but i have no idea and and this is a good thing you know i thought it was going to be like oh man like what am i going to ask him about but i think i'm going to ask you and i want to know because i think people are going to find it really interesting especially in the world of comedy who doesn't have like a bunch of biographies on netflix of people starting off like you know you get like the tech entrepreneurs that you know about their lives and like how you started you know facebook and all this crap but no one really talks about like the grind that is to make it as a comedian so i think it'd be very compelling to tell your story and obviously you don't have to start from like you know my parents met at a bar you know yeah uh but how you got started and kind of like where where you're at now and then i'm gonna ask you a bunch of other questions that i'm really interested in about finding so go ahead so my dad was funny <laughs> okay. and then i got his genetics when i was born no. <laughs> yeah so right. in miami there was no comedy when i first started in 09 oh you've been at this since 09 yeah mm-hmm. i'm doing it in a while okay and 2014 is when i quit my job and decided to do it 
and just put marketing in the mix and hopefully comedy would come to Miami somehow. So I ended up becoming a starving artist for four years. Oh yeah. And then in 2018 is when MiamiComedy.com really started to get popular from all that starving artist blogging and podcasting and photos. Eventually the traffic just boosted to the point where I could start producing multiple shows a week. Yeah. And so MiamiComedy.com has helped a lot of careers out. We've been getting better as a whole group of comedians here locally Mm -hmm. talking about, Stuff. Yeah, but tell me, tell me more. Like, I mean, now you know it's funny because you know there's a lot of people that do this. Like, for instance, just in comedy in general, and they see kind of the end result. They go see you for a show. They they go onto your website and they're like, okay, cool. I know this guy's funny because I found him on Instagram. But how like how was it in the very beginning, right? So when when you didn't have a name, when people had no idea who the hell you were, and had you didn't even have a website, right? I want to know more along the lines of like how you even came up with the idea or even started realizing that you're funny and that maybe someone would be kind of like laughing at your jokes enough to pay for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I do, uh, I do coaching and everyone's path is different. So one thing I do believe is anyone could be funny, (laughs) right? In their own way. You just have to figure it out. It took me a while, but if you really stick to it and you call yourself a comedian, eventually you're going to understand how to command your humor and what the, what your audience wants. And so, once you start getting to the level of writing comedy or performing comedy where it's consistent, mm-hmm. you can just take it from there. And how'd you start? Like, what'd you do? Well, I started doing an open mic, and unfortunately, Oof. I decided to do it at a very packed comedy club. Remember the Improv in Coconut Grove? Of course. That's where I Legendary. first performed. It was bad. That. It was the most humiliating <laughs> night of my life. There, I, I, there was no reason for me to be Let's doing go. comedy the first time there out of all places Let's go and they let you they were like oh but, just bring a bunch of people we'll put you up there but that's what i'm saying how'd you how did they let someone who has zero stand-up comedy experience get on this microphone that makes no sense sometimes bombing can be entertaining <laughs> <laughs> they put they said do five minutes and i was bombing so bad that they gave me seven do you I remember someone was in the back was like hey should we light him he's like no 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 he's He's really shitting himself up there. Go give him another two minutes. He's, That's this is awful. Great. And then the DJ played Hit the Road Jack right at the end. I mean, all they needed was a little midget with a little broom sweeping me off the You thing. remember Sao Gigante when the Chacal would come yes. out and you're like, Fuera. Yes. <laughs> That's what it was That's like. all that was needed. Something like that. The hook. Do you remember something. a joke that you said? Man, I really don't because I blacked out. It was kind of my fault as to why I bombed. I, I got drunk off Crown Royale in the back. Because you were nervous. No, I was also very cocky because I had a girlfriend. Oh, you at the thought time you were and, gonna kill it. Yeah. And I'm looking at the video because they had this live video screen. And so every person I was seeing, I was like number 32 out of all the people. <laughs> so the audience is already tired. <laughs> and then number 33 comes up. And then I was so drunk that when I pulled the mic, I was so disoriented by the lights. I, I pulled the mic out of the mic stand. I slapped my mouth with it. And the thud just echoed across the entire auditorium and I, i've never felt that energy in my oh, life but brutal seeing hundreds of people wincing at or cringing at the same time is one of the most debilitating feelings psychically that i've ever felt in my life it's like a black hole in the center of the oh whole place my there was nothing i could God. do to get myself out of it and so I, it was did just you at least silence. nail one joke no dude? nothing nothing it was just bombs after bomb bombs yeah. over baghdad but you know no one was talking it was just oh. it was just so quiet because people were so hyper focused on what was happening on stage. That who who was this guy that memorized all his material and is saying it verbatim? Oh. And I did. I was recording myself 
on camera in front of the mirror, bathroom mirror for the last like three days before the performance, <laughs> telling the jokes in the mirror. So when it, when I went up there and I was blacked out, I was just like in blackout verbatim mode where I was oh, just saying, Jesus and then Christ. and then and then it was like a monologue. But after you go through that kind of humiliation, you really can't. Like after that, you really can't go back to feeling that again. So it was a blessing in disguise. Do you think that? Like that experience specifically, normally, I mean, look, I put it into my context. It'd be like me starting my first day of jewelry and just absolutely tanking it. And that's okay. Like there's also a level of, you know, messing up in the very beginning. But I think what makes it very weird and very strange uh, in the comedy world is that you have an instant like uh audience to tell you exactly how you're doing right like if your joke bombs people are not gonna laugh so it's not like oh you know we'll know the results later no you're gonna know the results right now and people are right in front of you telling you dude you sucked yeah you know what i mean so like i feel like that would deter anyone from ever going back to doing comedy so what why the hell did you go back? Do you, do you ever hear those stories about those moms that are able to lift cars to save <laughs> yeah, their yeah, children? Yeah. I saw a YouTube video. So when you do stand-up comedy, it's like you trying to do that, but with jokes. <laughs> like I'm in the moment and I got to be funny right now. So hopefully mm. the best version of you, the most funny version of you, starts shining in the moment on stage. And so sometimes like I see people when they first get started, like they do the same thing. They're in verbatim mode where it's just, mm. I'm just going to recite my jokes and see what happens. But then I also see like sometimes a spark in people where I'm bombing. I got to do something. And then something happens and they just blurt something out. People laugh and they're like, oh, is that what you want? And then you just mm. go on a roll with that. Mm. And then you just go on a tangent from what you had. Mm. And then your real funny side starts shining. That's when you understand humor a lot more quickly. When, how long? When you're just having fun. How long before you actually got good? Four years. Damn. Yeah, I was a slow learner. That's why I do coaching because I had to. I learned it the hard way. I, I was naturally funny because of my dad's charisma, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to write a joke, uh, relay, a, a deliver the joke, or how to be consistent with jokes. Right? Because it's just like I hope this is funny, but now it's like. <laughs> This could be funny if I did it like this. So you, your brain starts connecting the funny a little bit better over the years. And so that, and then I got into coaching because since I took such a long route to understand it, I was like, well, I can also see when someone comes up at one of my shows and they're kind of struggling. It's like, well, the reason you struggle is because, you know, you're kind of like hunched over. And so people think that you're not comfortable. Yeah. And so you kind of see these little nuances uh, more is, than others. Is that learn because you bombed so much for four years or is that yeah. just like a and where are they taking you in these kind of places like for four years what are you doing you're just going in to the improv or wherever it is and just straight up like well, no, you get a little laugh here and there you're, you're not good but you're you, you show up so when there's there's two parts to this explanation the first one is there was no comedy there wasn't a lot of comedy in miami it was like one show a week at most really that you can go up right and uh, what I would have to do is I would have to, I would have to drive to Boca or Marco Island or Jupiter, Florida to get my five minutes of stage time after work. And the people there would be like open mic, like, oh, there's someone going up and talking while we're having dinner on a Tuesday. <laughs> what is yeah, this? Right? That's awkward. And so I would have to go to crowds that don't want to hear or would rather not hear your comedy. Mm. And then I would also have to go back and write the comedy. So every time I would write, I would then have to drive to then get good. 
So then Ooh. four years later, I started then experimenting with uh, show production. And I was I was okay. I wasn't I wouldn't say I was hilarious just yet, but I was okay enough to kind of get by. And then one show ended up being two, two, and then once it started becoming more and more popular, it's kind of like my talent and the mm-hmm. and the show frequency mm-hmm. met at the right time. Right. And so that's where we are at right now. Uh, what causes like I you know I used to see like old Chappelle stuff and of course I'm comparing like you know we're talking about Chappelle he's probably one of the better ones to I love ever all happen. his specials are yeah so good. no I mean they're absolutely phenomenal but I just remember like I used to always say back in the day I used to be fascinated watching like you know the 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 he, he would come on like on BET and he'd come on all this sort of stuff and his joke telling back then is completely different than what it is right now and he's a lot slower in his paces and he but it's still probably even funnier now than it was back then and then i started getting like the curiosity i was i was doing more research on you manny yes i am a researcher as as you you should (laughs) for a podcast interviewer yeah yeah i i wanted to know how your progressions of coming up and telling a joke first i want i just want to know how the hell do you think of a joke because i can think something is funny right but i don't really know how to tell it in a joke how you come up with the structure of a joke and then how you deliver it and how do you improve oh, on it? Oh, you want to get into the creative Yeah, stuff. Well, hell yeah. Just, you, I want to touch on something that not a lot of people have thought of and you, you just mentioned it. Uh, if you ever creep or stalk a girl, just say you're a podcast <laughs> show host. And let's get and it. And it's That's totally a free pass. acceptable. <laughs> That's a free like, pass. How do you know so much about me? I do a podcast show. I'm interested in having you on That's a great out. You know what I'm saying? So I stalked it, you. So what? <laughs> so what, bro? I got a show to run. <laughs> you know what this I'm saying? Business. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. So when it comes to the creative side, uh, it's just study creativity. That a lot of uh, the creativity is so fleeting that to kind of like grab it, you can't can't really get a good grasp, but you can kind of get an understanding of it, yeah. especially in your own way. So for the last two years, this is when I really started looking into it. And one of the most important things that I've learned is you, you got to be very relaxed and chill in your lifestyle so that the creativity can come through you. You also you mm. have to be very selfless because the more you try to prove to others mm. or like one up yourself or one up someone, the, the, the level of creativity that you're going to get in touch with is not going to be the best kind. The best kind of creativity is when you're when you're working at it, meaning like you sit down. And you just write something like some thoughts, some ideas. You're just going into your mind or going into your feelings and what you want to express. And you just make it private. And then eventually uh, there's going to be this thing that they call the muse where like the window opens. The window opens and then this thing just comes into you and you're just like, where did that come from? I better capture it now. So most creative people, they try to be selfless Mm -hmm. and then they try to work to try to capture ideas so that when a really good one comes it's you're in there you got it you've captured it because sometimes you can get you can be in the bus you get a really good idea and you're like damn that was awesome and then you just forget about it you're like what was that thing that i was thinking about today that was really cool so when you the more you capture it the more you work on it on it the more frequency you get from forgetting it so like the the brickle bridge one that you like that you're telling me about if you guys haven't try hard to get the idea if you guys haven't seen the brickle again we're gonna put on the screen right now we're gonna put his handle go in there and go down all his feet until you find where he is it's what pinned was, on the top. It's still it, pinned. Oh, it, was it? As okay. of the recording is still pinned on the it, top. It is, it is a, a brickle 
which let me paint the picture. Brickell is like a very high buildings in Miami. It's a very, very congested city. And of course, on top of there being just brutal traffic, you get these drawbridges that go up at the most unopportune times. I mean, if you're in Miami, it, I mean, it's like getting kicked in the nuts on t- in your in traffic. It's like you're in traffic and you're getting kicked in the nuts. And so you did this skit where it's like this, you know, this, I guess there's an interview and it's so spot on of what we are all feeling in the car, yeah. sucking wind, getting our nuts kicked in, yeah. in the, sitting in this traffic. People still tag me of them stuck in the bridge. And <laughs> really? I don't even know who these people are. It's just like, guess what? <laughs> just see the bridge going. Because <laughs> it's so relatable. But that's what I'm saying. So, like, when you think of these jokes, you know what I mean? It's it's funny how to dissect the mind of a comedian who structures a joke and then has that punchline and has that delivery to actually make it funny. Well, that one came to me very easily. I didn't have to try too hard. I was surprised myself once it like once it started hitting like a thousand. I was like, "Oh my god, am I going viral for, locally for the first time ever? This is insane!" And then when the tagging started happening, I was like, "Oh, oh, this is how it works." Yeah. Uh, but I was not expecting. And thank you to everybody that shared it. If you guys shared it, shout out. You guys contributed to me being on this podcast <laughs> wearing all this bling. So thank you. Do you look at your other peers when you're doing it? Because here in Miami, there's like five or six yeah. big time I dudes that are. Oh yeah, they come to my shows all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how often are you looking at the next person, or do you like make a? Because you know, I again in my my, you know, 20 minutes of research on, on comedy, I always wondered that, you know, there was this like beef of like, you know, Carlos Mencia, like copying other people's like, uh, you know, jokes I, and stuff. I, like. I've had some some popular comedians copy my stuff, too. I mean, I'm not going to drop names, but it no. happens. it's normal. Is it? Yeah. Because the creative thing I was telling you about, it's work mm-hmm. and it takes time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's normal for some jokes to be better than others. Right. I still don't understand, like, if I'm writing comedy and someone goes in there and be like, this one's not funny. It's like, well, I'm in the process of getting there. Right? Mm, like, right. people think, like, everything has to be a hitter. It's like, no, I have to put these out in order for the hitter to come around. And so sometimes what comedians want is they want everything they post to be hitters. And so they then, like, if they're out of ideas rather than doing the work or, like, taking a hit in their numbers, they would rather go see what else is working and then just steal mm-hmm. the essence of that and then add it on their own repertoire. And that's fine. I mean, it's cheating, but you know, cheat cheat to win, right? Then isn't that like a saying? So and people get away with it and their fans don't know that they took it from some other you know, so it just happens. It's a very normal thing to do creatively. Yeah, but that sucks though, dude, because like it's like you know, you go around thinking you go into these shows and you think of these guys are like that. Mo- that's so funny. I think like the bigger part about me is when I see a comedian or anybody like a talent, it's so it, like the part, the enamoring part of, of seeing a talented person do whatever it is, whether they play guitar, whether they tell jokes is God damn, bro. They're so good. I'll never be that good. You know, I'll never be that creative. That's, that's an know? incredible thing that that blows my mind that somebody can look at someone doing something that you would love to do and then saying i love that but i'm not gonna do it that's, <laughs> yeah why would you think like that, that no, I, you know you i do don't it. know man it's just the way i sometimes like i look at a joke right and i or i look at a comedian and i and i'm more like yes the joke is hilarious right but it's also about like thinking in the back of my mind like damn dude like 
not that I, I'm not even passionate for it, but you're also just admiring someone's like talent in doing that, right? Oh, I thought you meant like you want to be no, a comedian. No, hell no. No, okay, no, no, so no. you no. don't want to go the no, path No, no, Jesus Christ. Artist. Jesus, okay, goddamn, yeah, man. I'm a jeweler, shit. bro. Yeah, like, get out of here. Are you crazy? You're going to waste your time? <laughs> no. You, you, you got to make this bling, man. You no, got to make, dude, you gotta make Miami shiny. No, 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 no. It's like when you go to a concert, you know what I mean? And you see a guitarist and he's absolutely shredding it. You know what I mean? And you're just like, damn, yeah, dude. Like a lot of basses, guitarists, drummers, and I just look at how amazing they they work their 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 instrument and yeah. it's i'm amazed yeah. but i'm not gonna uh, uh, but what i mean is like i don't want to look at that and be like man i wish one day i could drum that good yeah no but i'm never going to no, do that no 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 <laughs> no, no. Like you bring yourself down somebody talented. <laughs> no 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 i was i was thinking it more so like damn like i think of these comedians and i'm like like you are so creative of a person to come up with these kind of jokes and then have the balls to go up on stage and actually deliver them. And now that you say that, like that, that there are some people that steal each other's jokes and stuff like that, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of like burst my bubble a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. Hey man, you know, it's not often, mm. but it occurs. And it's, yeah. uh, and, and there's even like, uh, there's a saying that says, uh, steal, steal ideas, artists steal or something like that. I've Have you heard of it? No, I've never heard that in my uh, life. Or, or like an artist steals ideas and makes it their own or something like that. Well, I don't know. There's a famous quote. Look it up. I, I'm sure some people that are watching this video is saying it and screaming it at, at the screen while I'm saying <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what artists They're going to leave it in the YouTube comments. Dumbass, it's it, this. Yeah. <laughs> Tag me. <laughs> yeah. So um, what you do is you, you get a really cool idea and then you just remix it and you make it your own. And then people can't, won't be able to, it's so good remixed that people won't be able to trace it back to the original. It's almost like a inspiration, almost like an inspiration, right? That, that. Yeah. So that's why I mean, when I say it's normal, I mean, some people will also go out of their way and steal the idea of verbatim, which yeah. is the worst thing you can do, yeah, yeah. but it's also very normal to steal ideas here and there and just remixing it to make it your own. Like think of all the people that play like a particular, uh, genre of music. One person made that genre mm -hmm. and then that one person's idea then expanded where you have a, an entire festival of bands playing that genre. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. something like that. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing if you do it right. I think the beers got here. So, Oh, now so it's going to, we, and now it's going to go even deeper down yeah, the road. Now hole. we're going to get personal. This is the second part of the person. Yeah, when I start is, getting, the, let's start talking about second, your insecurities, Manny. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we are not sponsored by Modelo. We're just going to top this things here. Um, hold on. This is not a twist off, Papa, but we open it up with a credit card around here. Oh, cheers. That was a, Thank that you. was a beer getting popped off. We may edit. What this a one. flex, man. What's up with a with a hard? What is that? A metallic? Yeah, yeah it's a, a metallic it's a, uh, Amex card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, we number three seven six. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks, Thanks for man. having me. Yeah, man. Cheers to everyone watching. Yeah, absolutely. More episode. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Personal, personal side of the podcast now. Manny, question: When did you start getting good? Twenty. And how did you know? I got good in 2014. Mm -hmm. I started, I got my first, I remember I got my first five minutes of back-to-back -back material in 2014, four or five years later after I started. I remember I made a recording. I did it at, the, I, I was at the improv and it was just back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, clap, back-back. I was like, oh my God, I killed. I've yeah. never done that. And I remember I, I was so elated when I saw that I was just like laying in my bed, 
belly down with my feet in the air like a little schoolgirl, <laughs> like looking at the video over and over, like, oh my god, I killed! I was so happy with myself. And then, um, and but the the second part of when I got good, because I think there's different way that like when you get good, that's not the end. Like you get still got unlimited to go if you, if you really want. Yeah, but to the point far. where you're not bombing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was the social when I started understanding social media. I was very rebellious. I, I, I can, as a marketer, I know what social media is doing to the minds of people and how it's tricking people. Like I see the evil side of it, but then as I started understanding it and part participating, I was like, oh, but it can also be like a fun thing where we're just having fun and forgetting about life's troubles. Uh, so then when I start, when I stopped being cynical with social media and I started actually contributing creatively to it. I was a little bad at it. I was just writing memes and like, you know, little tacky Miami things here and there. But then I, I kind of wanted more. Like I found a good formula where the memes were working, but I was like, nah, but I'm not satisfied just doing memes. Like I want more. So then I started podcasting and then I started writing one liners and then I got into characters and reels and TikTok. And then when all that stuff came out and then I see recently that it's, it's getting attention. I was like, oh, okay, I, I figured this part out. But then mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes like, well, what's next? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the next big thing? Like, reels are not, reels and TikTok is the social media now. Sure. But what's what's going to be? The, have you ever wondered what's like, the next? What's going to yeah. beat that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always curious to know about stuff like that. I think right now, especially in the day we're living, um, you know, before it was, you know, from what you would what you'd hear and like you hear like I, I heard a Louis C.K. podcast. I think he was on with like Theo Vaughn, and these guys just had to do it. Uh, they had just the audience that was in front of them and they, they would have to go and if they wanted an audience or they wanted to test out some new material or whatever, they would just play it. They would have to go to the thing, kind of like how you did back in the day when you'd have to go to Boca to just, you know, tell your jokes. Uh, and now with the emergence of social media, you know, specifically now with the push of Instagram on reels and TikToks and that kind of things and video format type of comedy or content creation, you know, comedians specifically comedians are at a huge advantage that i think that has never actually happened before you because it. you know like you know I, that's kind of what i'm curious about too like how has you've been doing this shit for a while dude it's not like you started oh i started a month ago because i got you know famous on a couple of reels and i got viral that one time Thanks yeah, for having me, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which has happened well, multiple times and, and i'm down <laughs> to talk to that person too but i'm but i'm more curious to know how specifically the miami comedy scene has changed and where it's at now yeah i really want to take all the credit for uh <laughs> miami comedy do it, hell yeah showing other comedians how to do it right <laughs> <laughs> well no i remember when i first started uh putting this business model in place a lot of people were kind of giving me a lot of criticism it was hard like um yeah well, I, I said this before to a friend of mine i said you know when you're innovating people think you're doing it wrong for a sure, while sure. until people then see oh i see what you're doing so um you know, I really believe that, well, or still do, I believed and still believe that, you know, I think comedy is going to be the savior of human consciousness and political beef and all the conflict in the world because we start realizing, oh, this is like a game. Like, why are we taking each other so seriously? And then one level below that, uh, as comedians, we then have to realize that, you know, we're very ego driven or we have some sort of emotional hangouts because like, I want you to think about for a second, Gus, like think about the kind of personality it takes for some guy or girl or they, them, whatever it's 2023 or that, that mm -hmm. person to go up and be like, I want to make strangers laugh. Like think about how crazy that is. Like, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and I want to make strangers laugh. All right. So with that in mind, 
you then have to realize that since there's so much ego involved in this industry, there's going to be people that are going to try to stop you from doing such a thing. Either you're not funny or, you know, you got to know somebody to get to that club. So there's a lot. And even if you look at things like America's Got Talent, somebody goes up, worked years in their craft. They've got five minutes of, of stage time. The audience, thousands of people in the audience are loving. And then two people gave you the X and now you can't advance. So that form of entertainment, and not just in comedy, but in anything, in business and music and whatever, it, we no longer dependent on a select few of people to advance our careers. We can now build something on our own because we can aggregate our own audience slowly but surely. Of course, there's no shortcuts uh, with social media. You have to grow it unless you pop off with one video and more power to you. But, you know, it's a grind. And as you continue the grind, you love the process and you learn about your audience. You learn about your craft. You get better and better. Next thing you know, you have a sustainable living doing what you love. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. God damn, Manny. Fucking cheers to that, All man. Right, Jesus Christ, cheers. man. I feel like fucking running through a wall right now, dude. But comedians have gotten more entrepreneurial. And I remember in 2016, I was touting this online. I was like, guys, you know, the more independent you are as a comedian, the more success you're going to get. Because if you're waiting for somebody to make you big, then you're just wasting time. It's like winning a lottery. Mm. I found somebody that blew me up. Well, what mm. about all the other people that are also just as funny, if not funnier? They don't get a shot because they didn't know that person. Now we can just have control of our career completely. Do you think that right now with the power of social media, like comedians are going to take a, a shortcut to that? Do you feel that that's kind of what's happening? Sure. I see comedians doing it right now. You know, they get started and they're like, I'm going to produce a show next week. I was like, God damn, you don't even have your five minutes left uh, yeah. yet. Uh, but if they, I think you learn doing stuff like that, to be honest with you, you have, you have to jump. So if somebody has the, the cojones to, you know, immediately produce and host a show and it's their first time doing it, if you do that, you're going to get more experience doing that than if you would grinding it out. So it really depends on your temperament. Do you prefer getting good before going taking that next step? Or are you going to take the next step immediately and just see where that takes you? Dude, yeah, because the thing is, like, you know, especially here in Miami where, like, uh, you know, as much, you know, you talk about, like, they're sports fans, right? And I don't want to just segregate this just to the city of Miami. But, like, in a broader term, you know, Miami specifically is a very what's popping now kind of town, right? And... I'll give you a prime man, example. You're so insightful, Gus. I'm glad we met. Thanks, man. I think about this stuff all the time. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, but, it, you know, it's 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 kind of like the environment that we live in. It's kind of like, you know, you have to start kind of seeing the trends that are happening, essentially. And so me and my DJ friend were just talking about this yesterday at, at a bar. And we were just talking trash. And we were like, and he was telling me he's an OG DJ. And he's been around for 20 years. And he was telling me, like, and, and we, you know, about the trends that are happening within the DJ world. And it's... And in, I see so many similarities with comedy and how it's changing. And so a part of me is like, what is it going to take? Because Miami is so insanely like fickle and, and they just want whatever's hot. You know what I mean? Trending. Trending. Relevance. Right? Relevance. How, when is it going to be comedy's turn? Because I think it is happening. It's already, I'm sorry. It's already happening. Yeah. Right. And they're realizing comedians can be trending and relevant as long as it's entertaining Mm. Right. And it pertains to their identity. Mm -hmm. But is it is it just what I fear? Right. Is that. OK, cool. Now it's cool to go to a comedy show. Right. But then eventually, just like everything else here, it doesn't become cool anymore. 
And then so now you got this comedy kind will of, always be cool if it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so, man, because like I said, a lot of it, you know, has to do with kind of what what is cool, what is trending in the in the market today. And that that's kind of where like I, t I, I show myself like as a club or a, a comedian or a performer or whatever. And you start really thinking to yourself like, OK, when is the time going to kind of pass or whatever? So as comedians, what do you guys do to like have that sustainability? So where it's not just, oh, you came out with that really cool, funny skit on a reel. You know what I mean? But now my five seconds of fame are over or yeah. whatever. And, you know, now I'm just back to driving up the Boca for fun. And that's, that's a very normal and unfortunate, you know, thing to happen for some people where they have something figured out. It works for a while and then they, they use it as a crutch and then it, it no longer works. Then it's like, now what? What's great about Miami is <clears throat> trends come and go. Mm -hmm. And so if you figure something out and you stick to it for too long, Miami will, will tell you. It'll show you. Yeah. We're like, all right, that's enough of that. We got to do cool shit now. <laughs> you got to come up with a better skit than that. And the... so I think Miami, I, I noticed that a lot of headlining, very talented comedians don't come to Miami often because they know about what we're talking about, where it's like, you ain't popping. You may be popping in Akron, Ohio. You may be selling out theaters there, but you ain't going to sell nothing in Miami. And I think a lot of comedians are realizing that Miami is so in the party scene and so into the trending, relevant scene that sometimes a comedian talking about his life isn't really interesting to our city. Not to say it's a bad thing. I love all kinds of comedy, but Miami is just ruthless as an audience. Mm. Think about how there's hardly any stages here other than the arena. Because if you can't fill out that arena, don't come to Miami. Can you imagine mm. an indie band Coming here to do it to do a tour? No one's gonna buy tickets to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be background music while we're doing happy hour or brunch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I love indie bands, but my and I love brunch fly here. <laughs> but I'm also not trying to hear, you know. Uh, but there's 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 certain things that Miami does catch on. We're like, hey, that's kind of cool. We kind of need that, uh, and that's the thing. It, it exposes itself naturally and organically to Miami. So, like for example, I've always been a huge music fan. Like I love collecting vinyl. Well, back, I used to, not anymore. I don't have any space for that in my garage. But I love music, like to the point where I have my Spotify list are just huge. I got, I used to have vinyl, and then recently, uh, the uh, Miami, uh, what's the name of it? Well, I don't want to drop names, but there's two vinyl bars. Have you heard of these bars? Of like, one in Win Win, one in downtown, mm. and they're playing like these really cool beats, like worldwide beats. Like, oh, we got a Brazilian DJ here playing. So if you want to hear Dante's, is like that. In that's Win -win. the one. Dante's Hi-Fi. Shout out to Dante's, Dante's Hi-Fi. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Rich Medina. We're also Rich gonna Medina. cool dude. You know. Right, yeah. So then we're also gonna drop uh, Miami Sound Bar. In oh downtown. yeah, Miami Sound Bar is dope. So shout out those two bars because they're mixing up music in miami that miami would love like miami would love afro beats from brazil and miami would love cumbia from the 50s from in uh, maine and colombia so when you got stuff like that emerging miami then as a whole as a collective consciousness starts realizing hey man you know this stuff adds to what we already are anyway mm. right and now that it's here it's kind of cool comedy is doing the same thing where it's like hey you know us as miamians we've got a lot of stuff happening in our culture and to make fun of it is kind of cool yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, however, what I love about performing for the Miami crowd is that when I leave Miami and I start performing elsewhere, I'm so accustomed to people giving me the what do you got vibe whenever I perform. <laughs> because if you go to New York 
Or if you, I performed like in Dayton, Ohio one time, like on a random show. You know, I went to Philly. Like I, I've done these shows at comedy clubs. People are showing up in comedy shirts, like George Carlin short, shirt. <laughs> oh, some Jesus cut, Christ. Yeah, some deep cut podcast <laughs> shirts. And I'm looking out in the audience like, you guys are all comedy fans. I could say anything I want. And you guys are like, we fucking love it. Yeah. Right? Here in Miami, when you do the bars, yeah. you'd be packed. There'd be like 30, 40 people, you know, all the corners of the bar filled in. And you just get this vibe of like, all right, funny man, we're here. Make us laugh. What do you got? (laughs) And you can't even start with material. You got to do crowd work. You got to make them a part of the show before you go into your your act. So does it make you a better comic? Of course. And why do you think, what what is it about the Miami crowd specifically? Is it just because we're all Hispanic and we're all super judgmental? Is that what it is? I guess. I don't know. It's just like, maybe we're just narcissists. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it too, man. Bro, uh, with with the shame, and and please give me the shameless plugs, right? I want the shameless plugs. I think people need to know. I want them, right? What is going on? For someone like myself who discovered you because of a funny skit, there are also a bunch of other comedians down here in Miami that you said that you work with that are making waves on social media and it's expanding more so than just Miami itself right and I think that it's funny to 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 just sometimes I will show a skit to someone who isn't even from Miami and it's the type of humor that you would regularly just understand if you're here in the city of the 305 and it's even funny outside of Miami so I think as a whole Miami's just uh, humor and the comedy scene is growing but I still don't really know what the hell is going on I didn't know there was a show tonight where you're going to be performing I didn't know there's shows in general yeah, right so kind of cultish okay our, cool. our shows are very popular but but what's not, going on give me the, the Miami point. paint the picture of a Miami scene today in comedy right now 2023 so you've got You've got levels. You've got what in the performer side. You've got the ones that are, that just got started that are still you know working on it, trying to figure it out. Yeah. You've got the middle regulars that are funny that are out there doing their thing. They're some are a little stuck in limbo by not developing themselves or their act, but they're still on the circuit. And then you've got like a couple of people that have good promotional power, have a great audience, understand their humor, and uh, you know the. As you go up, it's kind of like a pyramid, right? Like you got mostly down here, middle here, and then a few up here. Um, so that's the first part. And then when it comes to the audience, the second part, uh, the audience is now getting a little more savvy, word of mouth. I like this kind of humor. I like this guy. Or my friend is performing. Let's go see him. That kind of thing. Um, and then the third one, the venues are starting to realize that you know, we could probably afford a comedy show here because these guys work for Penis to perform for us here oh, on a really? Tuesday night. Oh, really? So when you work with... No, I'm just kidding. No. All the venues I, <laughs> I work with... I was going to say, damn. All the venues I work with have been extremely supportive. But uh, they... The the venues are the reason why um, we we don't really need a comedy... Like a, We do have a comedy club, first of all. We do have the Improv and Doral. Shout out to them. They have a great club, great shows. But uh, you can now go to your favorite bar and if that... The owner of that bar says on on our off night where we have less business, we'll then hire a comedy show production. So then we have like these pop up shows where us as comedians do like makeshift comedy clubs. And then we we have our own little audiences, whether it's from the venue or from our own that would come out and just want an excuse to drink. Like, I just want to grab a beer and just watch some guy work on his act. Maybe even heckle him if I get a little tipsy. (laughs) Hey, Hey, make it a thing. I'm a heckler. I'm a heckler. 
I can definitely tell. <laughs> oh, and thanks, I wouldn't thanks, even Annie. mess with you because, because <laughs> if I didn't know you and I looked out in the audience and I see the dude with tats heavy set with a gold chain and a beard, like, hey, man, I'd be like, sir, <laughs> the show is over. You win. I'm not going to even clap back to this guy. I don't know what is going on. I, you pick your battles when it comes to hecklers. By the- oh, yeah. Oh, do you? The fourth. The hecklers. The hecklers. The me's. They are the reason comedians get good in Miami. (laughs) You're up there. You're thinking you're safe with your act. Next thing you know, some guy like him is yelling at you. He's just like, I got to think of my toes now. (laughs) How do you deal? You know, it's funny you say that, man, because how do you deal with those hecklers, man? And, and And in a city that's notoriously brutal to comedians. Well, hecklers actually, I like if as long as they're not the worst ones are the belligerent ones, mm. like the ones that because there's hecklers that want to have fun with you. Sure. Like, hey, look, I want to I want to partake in what you're talking about, and then they'll girls are like the girl hecklers are like that where it's just like it's I'm hot, it's about me, talk to me, <laughs> let me be part of this, and they're fun. Like they they actually like they give you a vibe of like let's. Let's have fun, right? Mm, mm. The ones that I dislike are the ones that are um, the drunk. I'm oh, fucked up. Jesus. And if things go wrong, I might fight you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, you could just feel it immediately just by the way the guy slurred his words. Hey! <laughs> and they don't even say anything. They just, hey! You know, I really appreciate what you said about our former president, okay? Oh, God. That man allowed us to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, uh, my and then, God. And they do it in the comments, too. Like, have you had heckler hecklers in your comments? <laughs> nah. That's okay. a new era of hecklers. <laughs> Yeah. Where they tell you like a whole story of what they see, of how they see the world, and it's like, oh shit, put a pause to this Instagram channel. We gotta listen to this guy now. <laughs> yeah. it's like anyone gives a shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like, dude, why are you telling me like your life perspective right now? Where this is a comedy page? Oh. No, I just don't appreciate that you're. Ugh. I just what I do now is like I don't even respond. Like if someone says anything negative or derogatory, I just swipe delete like i don't even need thank god we have that option yeah is they put all that effort and you just go it's done done get out of here yeah get out of here heckler and then they try to come back and they say why did you leave my comment block that's it i gave you one chance that's it in today's climate man you know even in the jewelry space sometimes i have to second guess what i say in just the most common things like I'll, I'll post something you know whatever it'll just say like miami cuban you know and it'll be like i don't know i'll just you know the other day i gave a shout out to my city in one of my posts and i said you know i employ um you know people from miami and they are you know here because i want to move the economy of miami and not because I, i'm gonna you know i'm gonna drop in the bucket of what the larger part of this you know econ or commerce in in the city of miami is i understand that but it doesn't matter but my employees here would know that they are from here i employ from here and we're all from here right and i move this product this is like proudly from miami florida right and so even in a post as non-threatening as that i got just inundated in the comments of just it becoming this insanely political thing right and that was damn it dude that's like not even kind of tipping the scale in a political subject, right? How in, do you handle today's climate of everyone being very, very sensitive? And how do you just say, you know, like, you know, what's your strategy behind that? Because it's very interesting how some people like Seinfeld won't talk about it. 
And then others, like, we're going to fuck it in the ass kind of thing. You know what I mean? Do your little trick there. I I, I, I want to open a new beer for to respond oh, to this one. Oh, this because this one's going to be a long one. You could do it. Go ahead. I'll start. I'll, I'll open it up for you. Oh yeah, because I don't know that trick. Come on, look at the strength, the finger strength. Thank you. Um. So the number one problem with America right now, I know what it is. It's easy. Oh, it, people can't think uh, in contradictory terms. Mm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Sure. Like if I if I believe in something. And I don't have I don't have the capacity to see how the other person is thinking, mm. because I'm right. That's all it is. That's the only issue we have. But think about think about how much more understanding, sympathetic, empathetic, and intellectual you would be, or rather evolved you would be if you believed in what you believed in while seeing another person's perspective. You may not agree with it, but to understand it in a certain level of thoroughness, your your beliefs can still stand where it, where it's at. But you mixing in something contradictory to that belief would make you a much more superior thinking person because you're not thinking critically rather than just linear. And that's what's going on with America right now where it's like, well, if you believe that, then you're already wrong. Or it's like, okay, but it, it's more complex than that. So uh, what's great about being a comedian is we do this thing that uh, we call perspectiving. That what we do is in order to make something funny, we can see like a lot of perspectives in that one thing rather than just one way of seeing something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that allows us to get more material. Right, like so. If I'm making fun of abortion, I can then make fun of those that want to defend it, and I can make fun of those those that are standing outside of it, uh, outside with their signs. I could. There's just so many different things to make fun of it because I can understand different perspectives of that one topic. But then there's just some people that are like the Manchurian candidate in the comments, where it's like, you just say Trump, and then somebody's like, that is the best president we've ever had. Don't you? It's like it's like Manchurian candidate shit. It's like they just. They just hear something and it just they something gets triggered inside. It's like I I I gotta say something. I gotta say something. I gotta say something. And it's just like, bro, relax. This is a comedy page. There's no need for you to like. If you don't like it, just don't listen to it or leave. Like, right, right. What I, do you ever? You know, I had this. I don't know who said it, but it's a funny, uh, insightful way, kind of like to what you're saying. Where, you know, these, you know, you get these type of situations, especially in comedy where you do are going to essentially offend someone out there. And I heard, I don't remember what it, who it was. Again, I'm going to get rattled in the comments of someone who's going to remember who it was. But they, they basically said a joke has to be funnier, more funnier than it is offensive. If that's the case, then I let it ride. I don't care. As long as it's funnier than it is offensive. Now, when it becomes more offensive to the masses than it is funnier, that's when I say, okay, cool. So you can't just go out there and just like hate speech and think it because you think it's maybe funny. That makes sense. You know what I mean? So where do you draw the line in a joke? Well, there's people that like offensive humor. I love it. Yeah. Manny, I'm a hard... Offends me, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's not one way to do comedy. If you like... if you. If you want to follow a comedian or a channel that just makes fun of liberals and it just like trashes and and uh, you know observational cynical comedy against liberals, that can exist. As a matter of fact, it should. 
Yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Every yeah. once in a while, you can dip in there and just see what. Wait, what are you guys making fun of? Liberals? All right. What do you got? And then you you just start hearing something completely out of this world to you. You're just like, and you you leave and you're like, all right, <laughs> that was crazy, but it's not Enough for me. That. Enough of that. But I understand it. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, here's the thing, man. I, I believe comedy should be like uh, a social service, the same way. You go to like an ambulance when you break a bone or something or you go see your doctor. It's the same way you should go to a comedy show and just see how your thinking works when someone says something offensive. Yeah. Right. Because if you really think about it, you know, some, what someone something that someone says isn't isn't really hurting you. It's just you're tricking yourself into that. Yeah. Right. Because the person most likely doesn't know who you are when he's saying those jokes. It's not like they woke up one morning. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna talk shit about Gus today, yeah. and his parents, and his siblings, and his business. And then you go to a comedy club, and you're like, "Hey, is Gus Villa here?" <laughs> yeah, that's me, man. Fuck your jewelry, but <laughs> God damn, I worked hard to build that shit. <laughs> and then after the show, you love offensive humor so much, like, "Yo, let me get a let me get a shirt, let me get a shirt, man. That shit was dope, fam. Fuck <laughs> Gus, this shirt is dope. Fool, that's me, dude. That's me. the thing is, I. You know, I have a, a sister, love her to death. That's my sister, right? But um, she is a very uh, opinionated person. And there's nothing that gets her more riled up. And, you know, she, you know, growing up with her, I would always do it. Like, I would, like, you know, put her hair and like, you know, like older brother, younger sister kind of thing, you know? Like, like I'm abusive now or whatever. But, you know, this is what would happen. And so, like, now that we're adults and we can have these really you know, intensely deep conversations, you know, she can't handle that kind of humor. And I realized that I really love that kind of like offensive, dark humor, because I love to say jokes that I know are just trigger jokes, you know, that are just going <laughs> to rile her up. You see, but you're, 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 you're also playing devil's advocate. You're, you're a devil's sure. advocate sure. kind of person. For where sure. It's like, what gets you angry? Is that so? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. And it's exactly what they told you it was. That's exactly what it but is. But that's that's like that's a comedy style that should exist. That should you should be able to do that. To be like you can't do that. That's silly. Yeah. What's right? your comedy style? I like observational. The hell does that mean, man? Observational means like talk you, to a person who has no idea. The perspectiving thing I told you about. Oh, like man. I don't take sides. I just like seeing what people are talking about, or like if there's like an elephant in the room, or there's a connection that no one's getting. Like I like being the one. Like hey, is that what we're missing? Like, oh, shit, I didn't see that. That's right. I like being that kind of guy. But I also appreciate, like, I've gone into slapstick re recently. Like, I, I got that? into the, the Three Stooges. Oh, okay. Like, people just hitting each other physical. Oh. Uh, because it's a very different kind of comedy style that I'm accustomed to. So I, I, I got to, like, get into it and, like, understand it, right? And so I've been watching a lot of Three Stooges recently. I like that. I like, like, really... Uh, obscure comedians that are really good that went under the radar like the canada comedy scene in the 90s were really good like if you go to youtube Dude, that's come on bro that's you know super it? obscure my oh, guy yeah. come on canadian early go, 90s comedy up, you look up canadian stand-up comedy 90s and then just watch a couple of jokes pretty impressive like you know how like in the 80s there was a comedy boom in america sure there was a comedy boom in the 90s in canada yeah. Went under the radar, but they're very well written stuff. And I'm not talking about like, you know, cerebral. No, I'm talking about like funny. Like that was actually a really good joke. Yeah. I'll send you the link. You should check it out. What um 
what are come, some of your like off, like things that you just won't talk about? I don't like <laughs> I don't like playing devil's advocate. Well, I do sometimes. Do you? Oh, so you, but my not kind like, of comedy I don't go specifically. Like, where's the edge at? All right, let me go over there. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, no, I don't like. Um, I, I I've. I used to say dirty jokes when I first oh, got started. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get enough I, of them. I, I can't get enough. I used to talk about my dick and oh, fucking nice. grannies and like doing all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, but and I love. I I still love it. Like I love watching a good like Big J Okerson. Have you oh, seen his stuff? Oh, he's so good, on, Papa. I love. I love how dirty he gets. I get it. But sometimes when when I go up. And then it comes out, like I say a joke, and it's like, oh, that was kind of dirty because I'm riffing. And I'm like, eh, I should have said that. <laughs> like, that's not really my style anymore. But, uh, bro, I just like it all, man. It, the, even if it's something that I'm not really into, as long as it's comedy and people and other people, like if it's not funny to me mm. and other people are laughing, I'm savvy enough to be like, it's funny, but why don't I find it funny? And I'll try to figure it out. Like I'll try mm. to like deconstruct it as I'm watching it. Like, I, I would pay $40 to go see somebody I've never heard of at the improv, and I'm just sitting there having dinner watching this person that I've never heard of before saying jokes that I don't find funny, but their audience is eating it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why. He, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm an observational. About, oh, yeah, that's funny because he did that in a Cuban accent, and the way that he said it with his hands kind of, like, gave off the vibe. And so you kind of pick up on these little nuances that you're not accustomed to. And believe me, sometimes those are even better than a comedy show because you understand it so much better. But doesn't that ruin? Isn't it like that? That's kind of like the director who can't see a movie because he sees all the movie cuts and he sees what the editor did wrong and all that. Do you feel like you could still enjoy a good oh, yeah. comedy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy is the the thing that even if you understand it as it's happening, if you're in the right mindset of course because you don't want to be a hater either be like this guy ain't funny that sucks that's such a dumb thing to say it's like he's entertaining people and you're you're the only you're that one guy. yeah <laughs> you're the only one yeah. you might as well be a heckler yeah. you loser <laughs> yeah. and you would probably heckle for like, sure oh, find this funny hey i know there's 300 people here but me in particular not feeling it, it. ain't funny bro <laughs> with a smile like that <laughs> With a George Carlin uh, shirt that, on. That looks like a sketch. You got to do something like that. I could. I <laughs> could. Cold <do> chains. <laughs> it, it ain't funny, Sunglasses bro. inside. Oh, um, yeah. No, I've, I, I've appreciated and still do like... I remember when I first got my first stand-up comedy uh, special on VHS when Blockbuster was still around. You, you bought it. Like somebody no, else's. No, Blockbuster. Huh. No, that's what I'm saying. It was a it was a different comedian, not your yeah, own special. Was, I was I was like 11 years old. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was Eddie Murphy's Raw. Oh come on, dude. That's <laughs> I've never seen. Now imagine an 11 year old, and this is why you can appreciate comedy even if you are deconstructing it because sometimes you'd be pleasantly surprised. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like you can see something, you can see someone that's not funny, but then he does something that's so left field because you're not accustomed to that comedy style. Mm -hmm. Then you're just like, that was good, and I did not see that coming from you. So Eddie Murphy is a good example of this because I'm 11 years old. My kind of comedy was like Nickelodeon, all that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like all that cute yeah. child uh, stuff. And then when I put in Eddie Murphy's Raw, oh. and then he's there like like playing his character. Lillian, you cannot, I don't know, you can't use my phone. You better yell out the window or something. And I could see him playing the character. It beats anything I've ever seen as a child. Come on, but dude, that is the holy grail of like specials, man. Yeah. To this day, it still holds up. Oh, come on. Of course it yeah. does. Of course. It does. Do you do a lot of that comparing, though? Do you do some of the 
like uh, you know, there special I was saying, comparing like this special. Is no, no, no. Just I'm talking about to where you are, to where eventually you are going to get right. So like you know, in the Cuban League world or in the jewelry, I can only compare it to something kind of that I know, right? You, you know, you get I get I get it all the time. People will reach out to me and they'll be like, hey, man, I made a Cuban link at my house. I know it's not good, but like, you know, whatever. Or someone will hit me. Oh, man, I tried a Cuban link and it's really, really hard. It didn't come out well. And like, yeah, I realized that that's just not my thing. And so I stopped. Right. So I think people sometimes in any sort of whatever you're a comedian, a jeweler, it doesn't matter really what it is. You look at the top tier, the the raw, the Eddie Murphy raw special. And then you oh, see what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, at. You and so do you look at it and be like, damn, dude, like kind of like what I said earlier. Like a status like, quo. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you ever do comparisons? Like, oh, my God, you am can. I ever going to be compared? When it comes to Cuban links. Yeah. So the art of Cuban links mm. is the closer you are to the perfection of it. Right. Like when you look at a good Cuban link, it's not subjective. Sure. Like there's there's certain things oh. that you can do. Be like this thing hangs straight. It's not supposed to hang straight. Stop saying that. God, it's not, Man, I thought that was the thing Manny, I saw on YouTube. If you say that one more, all right, touch, tell me why should I have the biggest straight. ad? No, I don't care about that. All right, we'll, we'll talk about that later. God, you see, I... now you you got me beat because <laughs> I, this hey, isn't my my realm. This is your God, realm. Jesus. According to YouTube, you got to hold it up and it's got to hang oh, straight, dude, Manny. If and if I there's could... a kink. Is this your way of saying that the one I'm about to buy has a kink in it? You're like, Manny, what did I tell you? If there's a kink in it, there's nothing wrong with it. Now Duh. buy it. And then after I buy it, be like, that idiot actually fell for it. It's one of the it's one of the bigger myths of Cuban link chains. All right. Well, by, told what, by people that don't know it. But why, go ahead. Why is a straight Cuban link not considered? You could you, status quo? most of them can be straight, right? You can you can you could do it, but there's a million other things that you check before it hangs straight. And on bigger pieces, you purposely add a curve to them so that they can lay flat. See how your chain is? Model the chain. Oh my God, you sex symbol. I feel it. <laughs> it's hanging perfectly flat on your piece. When when it when it hangs straight and it's that big, it will hang like there'll be like a it'll be like f f leaning forward. So if it's too straight, it starts doing this. That's exactly right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so then, when you hold it up, you gotta see. A so you'll thing see. Like so you'll see it go straight, and then we purposely. You, you remember the rolling mill that I showed you earlier? Yeah. We push it enough to where it starts to bend a little. Oh, and we, you know what? We While I was putting it on, it on, I was having a hard time because I saw that there was a little bit of a bend. Papa, at the end of this it. ain't my first rodeo, dog. And he had to help me put it on. <laughs> hey, <laughs> all right. If you guys need the best Cuban links shut in Miami, up, shut up. Gus Stop with Villa the plug, jewelry. Shut up, Manny. Damn it! No man, I'm hey, just saying. Anyway, you were telling me about the uh, comparison about you and 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 the big dogs. So uh, yeah, so when you look at the art of Cuban links, mm. details like that, they're not complex. This is a well-made Cuban link. Period. It's 10k gold, 14k gold, whatever. It's measurable, right? In the in the realm of comedy, you can't measure a personality. Right, it's a little more complex to the point where it's like you, you're just like saying, well, this human is worth ten points more than that human because whatever, you know. And unfortunately, we are getting to that level when it comes to social media. It's like, how many followers you got? That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I can't date you. You ain't my my kind, my <laughs> yeah. style. That's how I am. Uh, it's un yeah, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but that's slowly what we're getting to. Is like, how, how many people care about what you talk about? <laughs> so, do you do it because you just can't quantify? You don't really compare yourself. It's to subjective. Other yeah. So, like. You know, uh, if you see uh, Louis C.K. and then you see Dave Chappelle, some people will be like, I like Louis C.K. more. Mm -hmm. Other people will say, I like Dave Chappelle more. But if you have two gold chains that are 14K, 24-inch, 
with the curve, uh, you know, 292 grams or whatever. And then you, you go, which one do you like more? I was like, I'll take either one. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's a 14 K. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more chain. like there's more definitive yes or no. This right. is good. This is not good. Exactly. Where do you see yourself speaking of like bigger people? Where is the trajectory of where you want to go? Because I know that again, in doing the research, because I want to date you or whatever, because uh, <laughs> we started this podcast uh, in that trajectory. I, you know, for the first time ever, truth be told, I heard I heard the terminology. Uh, I'm a comedy coach. And then I started thinking about all my herb ass friends who are not funny at all. And I thought, is this like a fitness coach? Like, can I just, oh, bro, take a couple of classes with my boy yeah. at Tropical Park. He's going to work you out or yeah. whatever. And all I, of a I sudden, it's going to be funny. I feel it too. Like some people, some people like, like you coach people to be funny. How do you, yeah. it's uh so coaching is, coaching has been around for a while. It's a, it's a very niche kind of service. So do you know, like. That's the best way I can do that. I can say this. So, do you know, like, when someone wants to buy, someone buys a car, and then some person would buy a car and just drive it around, like, whatever. Another person buys a car and wants to get accessories for it, wants to get a hat that says Mustang or Honda, and then they kind of like live that life, like lifestyle, where it's like, I just want to pack as much as I can about this thing that I'm in love with in my life, right? Mm -hmm. it, that's what. I, I would say that's something of what coaching is like, where it's like, I want to be so embellished in something that I'm going to hire someone to con to add more to that in my life. So it's not that a coach is giving you the success, but rather you're already on the way and then you're just hiring someone to guide you. But then, of course, when you're there, you get all the credit for it. What the, what the coach does is it gives you like the hand where you, as you take the next step, you kind of do a little more confident because someone is there for you. Mm -hmm. So with the experiences I've had, uh, you know, the the successes I've had, the failures I've had, the people I've met, the businesses I run, uh, in 2020, I was certified to be a virtual coach. And I told myself, you know what, I just got to like bite the bullet and just tell people that I, I, I show you how to be successful in your lifestyle when it comes to comedy. Because my whole life is comedy. Like I wake up, I put on Sirius XM. Right. I perform at night. I write in between. I post content. So like I'm always embellished in comedy. Mm. I may not be the funniest person you've ever met, but like I take this very seriously. So if someone were to come to me and be like, you know, recently I just uh, someone said to me, you know, my my son is very awkward. He's 12. He's about to turn 13. So he's going through that hormone era mm. and, he, you know, he can't get a girlfriend. And so they hire me. And this is from Wisconsin, right? And they hire Dude, me. Shut up. Yeah. I got a dozen of clients. They're not all from Miami. I only have two from Miami, but I have like 11 more from other cities. And they all are different walks of life. An older person wants to get into stand-up comedy. Someone's kid can't get a girlfriend. Uh, someone wants to start a business when it comes to comedy or create content online. And then, you know, you go online and you try to find someone that can help you in my in their particular little path. And then if they see that, I'm doing something similar to what they want. They'd be like, Hey man, how are you doing this? Show me how, how are you writing? How do you write? How do you do, how do you do Instagram? Yeah, the same questions I was asking yeah, like, the curious ones, man. I think most people want to know that. I think everyone's funny, man. All you have to do is just figure it out. Do you have like a set? Because you know, you were telling me earlier that 
comedy is subjective, right? And like when you're a body trainer or you're a gym trainer or maybe even you're, you know, a, a, an entrepreneurial coach or whatever the hell they call them nowadays, you know, even let's say you use the example of like a body trainer or like a gym trainer or a personal trainer. Well, that's what I'm calling it everything but what it was. You know, you have, okay, cool. If you are in a caloric deficit, you're going to lose weight and then you're going to get abs. So, you know, it's kind of like the Cuban link chain. This is, has a curve, but it's ultimately the same thing. It's very black and white. And in a world of comedy, which is extremely subjective, how do you coach someone on something that is so gray? Yeah, they have to tell you what they want. <clears throat> so if the if the father of this uh, 12-year-old says uh, he's awkward and he wants to get a girlfriend, right? I'm going to show you how to be talk to girls in a humorous way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, the, the measuring, the quantifiable thing is what you want. So I'm going to show you how I get dates, and I'm going to translate that to a 12-year-old, right? So then, like, I'll give you an example. I show, I show him the music video, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Love that song. And I go, hey, all right, on uh, today's session, we're going we're gonna to make fun of this music video, and I want you to see the, the most uh, epic way to describe a girl's <laughs> psychology. <laughs> and then I play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and then we read the lyrics together Shut up. and then i'm like i'm like roasting the lyrics with him and i go isn't it funny that like like cindy lopper in this character would completely disregard what his what her mother and father are telling her just because she wants to have fun <laughs> isn't that so insane <laughs> like she'll go to jail to have fun <laughs> she'll make mistakes that'll ruin her life for fun so how do you Come into that. How can you make a girl make mistakes because she wanted to have fun with you? And then I have him fill in the blanks like ad libs. It's like, well, I can lie to her and say she's the only one. It's like now you're getting it. Yeah, there you there go. You go. You're on your way. Had a boy. Yeah. Yeah. So then we start laughing. Of course, we're joking. Like, right, right, right. So we start laughing about these things, and then he kind of understand. He not only understands girls better, but he also understands how to like be funny, and like how to joke around and not take them so seriously. Manny, that's fucking brilliant, He bro. got two girlfriends since I've... I, unfortunately, we're down to the last two sessions, actually. It's ironic. We, I brought him up. I completely forgot about that. We're down to the last two sessions, but I've had him for two years now, and he's already had uh, two girlfriends, and they both disappointed him, but still, at least he got him, <laughs> but he learned. But he's out there. Yeah. He's out there putting it out there. Yeah. As a comedy coach, which, again, is such a strange thing for me, is this, and I'm really interested to find out, is this a business that you came up with? Because I've never heard about anything like this because it's, a, in a way, it's like a hitch that serves because comedy ultimately makes girls attract, not that it makes girls attracted to you, but like, you know, most girls, I think if you do a survey of 100 girls, a lot of them are going to be like, give me the top three things that a guy needs to be for you to like be interested in him. And, uh, you know, I would say, 80% of them are going to be like, well, he needs to be funny, yeah. right? Attractive, yeah. wealthy, got to be funny. Humor is probably the most important because, sure. because it's a, it's a bonding thing. It's an evolutionary thing. It's an attractive thing. Like humor, just the reason they call it humor is because it's, it's, it's very similar to the word human. Like humor is such a great way to portray who you are mm. as a person. I mean, it's just you in the utter essence of entertaining like this is Gus entertaining people as a human kind of thing, right? So when a girl can get your humor and appreciate it, 
it's just attractive because it's like I get your humor and when someone else tries to be funny I don't get their humor but yours I get and I feel closer to you because of it whenever we go on dates I enjoy it it's not boring you're and you have to be good with humor you also have to be a good listener because of the perspective thing like you have to listen to her and she kind of likes that too it's just there's so much amalgamation in what a girl likes in a guy in humor and I like humorous girls too like some guys say oh I don't like my girls to be funny it's like no dude I need a girl that gives me some banter I need some back and forth yeah, because I can also get bored. Where let's, it's like let's I'm go to the I'm, edge. Baby. I'm saying all the jokes. It's like I, I feel like I did an hour special talking to you. And I got nothing back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, that you know it's funny you say that, man. Because like a lot of times, you know, even in banter with girls that I have and women, I feel that a lot of times, especially now in this climate, and and not to go back on that tangent, but you know, humor is is sometimes not as important anymore as as it's been in before because you're so scared to 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 for it to be offensive as well you know what i mean so you know like a little kid now being able to be funny at what point does he even draw the line you know of of what can be ultimately offensive or like or you maybe teaching him or something like that so what do you think about jokes in general becoming something of an offensive thing especially right now like as a coach how do you tell a new you know a new person who's aspiring to be a comedian a little kid who wants to talk to girls where that limit is because i'm sure you know it but maybe somebody else doesn't know it and as a coach how do you handle that a limit of what of of it being offensive oh so if they're interested in knowing how not to be offensive i would say you got to be tactful because if you start preventing yourself and who you are uh, as a comedian, I think that you're, you only like cutting yourself short because it's like, well, I want to, I want to like, if you imagine if you're writing and you're like, I want to touch on this, but it's so controversial. I don't know how to do that, but I want to, but I don't want to offend people. So I would just say, you know, sometimes you, it's inevitable to offend somebody, but you can also be very tactful about it where if you write the joke and you consider the person as you're writing the joke, you can be a little more tactful than if you didn't, right? Mm. So that's how I would approach it. Yeah. Where it's like, what do you want to talk about? Abortion? Okay, why? <laughs> God, why do you want to Jesus, talk? Why do you want to talk about abortion? For the love of Christ, man! <laughs> I mean, look at someone. You know who did a very tactful way of saying an abortion joke? And you know, I'll just give you an example for you to get it. God, it has to be abortion. Bill Burr says, um, "I think women should get an abortion. There's nothing wrong with that," but. You can't say that it's not a baby. Now he's saying his point, where he thinks it's a baby, where some people would say there's it's not. But then he go, and then he goes because if I'm making a birthday cake and I put it in the oven, and then five minutes pass and you pull that birthday cake out, or you pull the batter out, you throw it on the floor. I'd be like, what are you doing to my birthday cake? It's like, it's not a cake yet. Well, it would have been. <laughs> Dude, that is, I knew, I know exactly what uh, special it but is. But notice the tactfulness of it, where you take both parts and you say your point. Yeah. That's, that's how you write a good joke. Damn it. Damn it. The great Bill Burr. I'll wrap it up with one last thing. I want you to give me the shameless plugs. Tell me what you're doing now, what's going on right now, and how people can hear you, how they can get in contact with you, how they can maybe catch a show. Give me what's going on right now, March 31st, 2023 with Manny. So uh, it's Friday, so we'll be Whatever. over at Thank You Miami in Little Havana. 
which is possibly one of the uh, newer successful shows because we've got all the new faces of Miami performing there very regularly. So if you want to get into the underbelly while eating great food made by the owner and great beers, thank you, Miami. Uh, visit MiamiComedy.com to see the rest of the shows we've got. Uh, we're currently working with Tipsy Flamingo Sunday nights, uh, Red Bar on Mondays. Tuesdays, we're at Dom's and Brickle. Wednesdays at the SLS, which, by the way, ladies, sugar daddies are always there. Let's get it. Thursdays, Aficionados in Brickle is our new show. Wednesday, uh, we have two shows Wednesday. That's right. We also are at the Kona uh, Room in uh, right next to Azorico in downtown. Luxury rum bar. Great place for comedy. It's a speakeasy. Mm. Always intimate there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and that's our whole lineup for now. And uh, you'll be seeing me performing in any of these shows at random while wearing Gus's bling because <laughs> I plan on buying a Cuban chain from Let's this Let's get man. it. Let's get it. How can they follow you on social media? Follow me at Miami Comedy. And if you're interested in coaching, at Manny Garavito. <laughs> Brother, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend time here talk, talking a I little I like trash. people like you, Gus. I had to, they, man. Thanks, I had man. no choice. I, I, I admire you because, you know, you're, you have a... a, a it radiates from your skin, your passion for comedy, bro. And I think that anybody, and I've said it on the podcast before, anybody who is so insanely passionate about anything, whether it be, you know, cleaning shoes, cleaning whatever it is, you can tell within the first five to 10 minutes of having a true conversation about it. And you could tell that comedy is something that you do take as a business, but it's a true passion of yours. I could see it in your eyes. I could thank see it the guys. way you say it. Appreciate it. And it's truly admirable. And I and I really want to thank you for being on this podcast, man. I, I appreciate thank you, it. Gus. Thanks, bro. We'll wrap it up. See you guys in the next one. All right. Great show. That was cool. You're the real deal, man. Yeah, real deal, Mike. <laughs>